I'll just go ahead and dispense with it now. Everybody who's online as well, everybody in the room. Oh, gosh, was yesterday a day of misery in college football. <laughs> I've been so mature, I haven't said a thing in, oh, two years. We were 10-3 and three last year, and we're 11-0 and 0 now, and the quarterback is the reason it was grotesque what happened to him. If you're a Gator, you're miserable. If you're a Miami Hurricane, you're miserable. If you're a Seminole, you are miserable. So there, I got it out of me. I didn't even know if I could stand up and preach this morning. I mean, <laughs> ask Kathy what it was like last night. It was so gross. He's such a good kid. And I know you hate us and you hate him, but you don't hate that. It was just terrible. And the kid from Florida breaking his collarbone, I mean, I wanted my best against your best this coming Saturday. That's what I wanted. See who wins. <sighs> there. <laughs> I know, but many of you think I'm a shallow idiot, and you're right. <laughs> but I, I'm just telling you the truth. I am upset. <sighs> but let's do some business. You ready? Because I don't know if you noticed or not, some of you have noticed there's a big old building going on over here, right? It's a great big, huge job. It's roughly 20,000 square feet. That's what it is. The air conditioning work, they're in there finishing it out. Here's that we're moving the needle a little more towards confidence. Someone yesterday whispered to me, Fitz, it. the question everybody wants to know is, are, when are we getting in? And they weren't here last week and Sunday, which I didn't point out to them because I said Christmas Eve. So we're, we think that we're going to be in on Christmas Eve. That means Sunday, December 24th in the year of our Lord, 2023. That's, that is five weeks from today. Are you following what I'm saying here? So that's kind of exciting. We're going to be there. We'll have a worship service at 1 o'clock. It's a Sunday, but we're not doing it in the morning. It's 1 o'clock and at 3 o'clock. We have some extra parking. We'll worry about that later. But we just want you to know that's, that's our plan. And so we're going to be in there unless something happens, and then I don't know what we do if we can't get in there because we put all our eggs in that basket. <laughs> so there you have it. That's what's going on, and we're going to invite you to do what you always do, just to invite your friends. So friends will come with you to, to church on Christmas Eve. Four weeks of soft opening, December 24, December 31, January 7, January 14. On January 21, we're going to tell the whole city that we're doing a grand opening, and there'll be PR and social media and all that kind of stuff. That's for us to say, we're here, and would you come? So that's, that's, that's what you can expect from us. We, those dates are how we're, how we're building our plan for right now. Speaking of parking, now this is, I got a phone call from this beautiful man who's the pastor of this little church right over here. It's a thriving congregation, and some of us have been parking in their parking, walking right through their breezeway and walking and strolling right over here and having a seat. Don't do that. Okay, there's a second thing. We may have miscommunicated, but right across the street from them is the jeweler Mavello. We can't, Mavello. I accented the wrong syllable. Whatever. <laughs> Don't park there either. That's theirs. They're paying for it, right? They have a contract with Mavello. Did I say it right? I did. Can you hear me? You're online. You don't even care. <laughs> but you're, you do care. So what we're saying is, Park. We have a whole lot more parking now, and soon the stripes will be on it, so everybody will know what to do. And then we have more parking in addition to ours over here and over here, and even some over there will make it a little more clear for you. But don't park in Mavalo. There is a little sign out on the road south of Dillion that says, park here. It's a little lot. You don't even know who owns it. It's about 20 spots in there. So we, get, we good? Be good. Don't park. And don't, don't feel guilty if you parked over there. Just laugh at yourself and, be, and say, I'm, I, I, you're like me. You just did something you weren't thinking about it. And then come on. So anyhow, that's that. How are we doing? 
We good? I'm still not sure I can preach after what happened to Jordan Travis. We've been having this great We've been having this great time here, and today is next to last. Next Sunday will be the last one in this series, and we're starting something new for the Christmas season. But what we've been doing is we've been talking about what we're about. It's sort of like, what's our DNA? How do we do things around here at First Pres? And we begin with a vision statement. And that's what this this next thing is. It's who we are. How do we know who we are? And what we say is we say, we're, we're about real relationships which result in real transformation. What we mean by that is a real relationship, an authentic relationship between you individually and Jesus and with you and Jesus' people. And what happens is when we start doing all this great stuff together, the next thing you know, our lives are transformed. It's our way of saying lots of things. I could hang 20,000 Bible verses off of it, but I'm not going to do that. You have to sit with me privately, and I'd happily do it. And so we've broken it down into four kind of component, component bullet points. The first one, what we've said is to have a real relationship and real transformation we must pursue Jesus. And we mean that, that you pursue Jesus and I pursue Jesus. Yet another metaphor to help you understand that. John chapter 15 says, Jesus says to us, treating us if, if, if we're grapes. He says, if you're a grape, you need to abide in me, stay connected to me. You're the grape, you're the branch, you, I am the vine. Branch, stay attached to the vine branch, stay attached to the vine. It's sort of like this. It's sort of like abiding in Jesus, pursuing Jesus, as we're saying here, is sort of like the nucleus of a cell. And that's where the, that's everything is rotating around it. Make sense? I can't remember all the names of all those things, protons, neurons, whatever. So that's what it is. So secondly, we said, just a quick bullet point. We've said we, in all of this kind of, this is pulling it apart somewhat artificially because all of this can be going on all at the same time right? It's not like these one boom, boom, boom. It's not anywhere near that rigid. But to analyze it, to do our own analysis of ourselves, connecting with people, it means this. We realize that other human beings are a part of this fantastic journey, and we on purpose meet with them. For instance, like right now, we get to get together, and we sing, and we pray, and we reflect, and we hear about Scripture, and we're reminded of people who are in deep need, and we're reminded of people who are hurting, and we're to celebration, all the good stuff that we do. So in this corporate gathering, we're connecting with people. You may be connecting on purpose with somebody for the purpose of just growing in your relationship and in your faith one-on-one, and you may meet with someone regularly. Maybe you're in a group. We call them life groups here. Maybe you're on a team that's serving some need in the world. <clears throat> we heard about foster stuff just now. So connecting with people on purpose, and here's what followers of Jesus keep reporting. When I on purpose share my life in meaningful ways with authenticity, with vulnerability, with forgiveness, with reconciliation to differences, when I do that, the next thing you know, I'm changing. I'm transforming. So how do we do things around here? We try to Connect with Jesus and using the term today, abide. You can look John 15 up the first five or 10 verses if you want to. Connecting with people. The third thing we said is those, if you're doing A, B, C, you got, you got more steps to take, which is get every, get everything you have, all your gifts, your talents, your abilities, everything about you. And you push it all in like you're a gambler. You put it right in the middle of the table and you're putting your whole self into finding out where it is that God wants to use who you are in the world. And you know, you're already there. Jesus is not saying to you, do more or try it harder, anywhere near as much as he's saying. Some of us may need to do more, may need to try harder, but most of us probably need to change how we think about who we're already with. 
there are people in your life. And what I think Jesus is wanting us to do is all in with who we are and then intentionalize in a different way about how I'm relating to somebody who is all, somebody I care about already, somebody I work with, a neighbor, changing my intention and changing how I approach the relationship more than adding new work. We don't have to work harder because where we live and where we work and where we play and where we go to school, those, those, those places have friendships already and that's where we can become more clear and more intentional. So it's, how do we do things around here? That's it. Today we explore the fourth one. And the fourth one we're calling multiply. And multiply means what you think. It means growing numerically, growing in terms of depth, growing in terms of our understanding. But mostly, I want to talk about multiply today in terms of more people. We mean more people multiply. And don't blame me. Don't blame me for multiply being a part of the DNA of the Jesus family. It's in the Bible. It's all over the Bible. We'll go to page 12. Genesis chapter 12, the first three verses, and it translates roughly this way. Remember, blame Jesus. Don't blame me. The Lord said to Abram, God picks out this dude named Abram. His name is later going to get changed to Abraham. And he just picks him out. There's nothing special about him. He just picks him. He says, son, you're going to work for me, right? God, God can do that. He can pick a daughter or son out and say, you're coming with me and we're going to do this together. And you got two choices, yes or no. Abram's choice was yes. He says this, this is what I'm going to do for you, son. I'm going to take you and you're going to go from your country where you live, from your people, all your peeps, and from your household, your father's household. And then what God said to Abram is, I'm sending you somewhere to the land I've got picked out for you. And God didn't tell him where it was. It's not unlike what we did moving from downtown, though I'm not stacking us up with Abraham. I'm just saying we heard the same thing, move. We heard move, and we had no idea where we were going to end up. So we started praying. A year later, we moved. We started, we sold. Then we still didn't know where we were going. So we can experience this. But he's saying this to Abram. He says, Abram, I'm going to send you someplace. I'm going to show it to you later. You just do what I tell you, one step at a time. You go, and I'm going to make you into a great nation. Now, Abram had a wife and a dog. That's it. I don't even know if he had a dog. I have a Shih Tzu. She's magnificent. You can say anything you want about me. You say anything bad about my dog and we're going to have a problem. So Kathy and Fitz and their Shih Tzu tally, off we go. So Abram has his wife, no family. And God says, I'm going to make you a big, huge, gigantic family. But that's not all. There's more. Multiply, he says. And I'm going to bless you. And, and then well, I'm going to do this with you. And through you, all the families on the earth are going to get blessed. In other words, God's picture was big. God's saying, we're going to multiply my presence, my blessing in people's lives across the entire planet. So Jesus people, that's who we are. We're people that don't stop with us getting ours. We go forward. And what we do is we go forward where we live, where we work, where we play, where we study, and we intentionalize differently about the people we already know and care about. And what we're doing is we're trying to help people who know Jesus to get deeper, but we're also trying to help people who don't know Jesus have an experience where they might start thinking carefully and ex experiment with the possibility of beginning to live their life with him and for him. Multiply. It's not my idea. It's a great idea. I like the idea. I'm sold out. That's what I want to be. That's who I want to be. But here's, here's Jesus' way of saying it. You ready? This is Jesus talking in Matthew chapter 4, 
verse 19. This is my personal translation. Follow me, Jesus said. Come, follow me, Jesus said. And I will make you into fishermen who catch people. Three things that I want you to notice that you and I as Jesus people are having to decide to do. There's three things. In a sense, you could call this the definition of a disciple, a definition of a believer, the definition of a Christian, the de definition of a disciple maker. Three things. One, come follow me. You're choosing yes or no to follow Jesus, pursue Jesus, abide in Jesus. It's a choice that's constantly being offered by him to us in love. Secondly, I will make you into fishermen. What he's saying is transformation. You have to choose to allow God to go to work on you using the stuff that I've been talking about. You, you have to say, okay, I'm going to be a person that wants every bit of it. I'm going to do whatever I can do to have God make me over into a new person, right? Choose to follow Jesus. I'll use the word surrender. Surrender to God's transformational work in your life. And then, but then we're not finished yet. Third, I'm going to make you into a person who catches people. And we catch people. We're, we choose to go on Jesus' mission. In other words, I'm choosing to follow him. I'm choosing to surrender to him to make me into a new person. And I'm choosing to go on his mission with him. And his mission is about loving people really well and helping them come to know him. That's what we're talking about. That's what multiply means. It means not work harder. It doesn't mean try do more. It means who is it already in my life that I can love differently? And there, I was thinking about the invitation to do the angel tree. Here's how you can multiply. Not just finding one, the big long list that one family might not want to take on. And, and Ashley said, and I agree with her, find another first family to split with you. Find a not church family to split with you. You know what really turns people on in our world today? The generosity and the selfless giving of people to other people. Who wouldn't respond with warmth to the opportunity to bless a foster child. So someone who might think you're nuts for being a part of a church might jump at the chance to be a part of foster care. And so if you're involved in some kind of giving thing like that, bring them with you. And the next thing they know, they, they get a whiff of it. Oh, so Jesus' people go out of their way to care for people. Is that what they do? And the answer, of course, is yes. So that's just a suggestion. You're not working harder there. You're not, you're not doing something new. You're just, you're just inviting somebody you see regularly. Hey, would you be interested in doing this with me? And, they can, and they're gonna, you know what they're going to say? Yes. They're, that's what they're going to say. Who would say no? Even it may be out of guilt. <laughs> guilt them into it. It's okay for, as a first step in your strategy. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Investing intentionally. That's what I'm talking about here. Let, let me use a jet airplane. Multiply. Let me use a jet airplane as an analogy. I had, a, I had a rich conversation with a person in the last month who was talking with me about this person, the intimacy in this person's group. They meet together with other Christians, mostly First Press folks, in what we call life groups. And this person was saying, you know, Fitz, I sort of feel bad because... Um, I don't want my group to change. I mean, I like the group. I don't want, I don't want 
new people in it. I, I don't want to branch it and split in two, so we doubled the number of people involved in groups. And I just put my arm around this person and said, it's cool, I get it, you're, you're not alone. Across North America, Christians who are involved in intimate groups resist duplication for obvious reasons because it's so great to have intimate friendships where you're studying scripture together and you're doing life together and you can be honest with each other and you're supporting each other and celebrating and grieving and all the things we do is life. And these people believe in you and you believe in them and they, they prop you up and they take care of you and they laugh with you. All this phenomenal stuff. That's what happens when God's people connect with each other. But, but, that's going deep. But apparently, God wants us to go wide also. Abraham, I'm going to bless every family. Jesus, come, choose to follow me. Surrender, let me make you over again. And join my team to catch people. Here's what it's like an airplane. One wing is the mission to go get them. The other wing is the depth of our intimacy with our friends and with our Christian family. You've got to have both wings. If you lose a wing, the thing goes down. We got to have both in our lives, personally, in our church family, in our groups, everywhere. Got to have both of those going on. And that's just a way of trying to make the point. Multiply is God's idea because God loves every human being on the planet, wants every one of us to know Jesus Christ intimately and to be out there loving people the way we've been loved. It's fantastic. <laughs> and yet, in your life, many of us in our lives were thinking, there's got to be more. So if you, if you stop to say, where am I in those four bullet points? And there's a sense in which they're progressing. Some, many of us may think, I don't know what's wrong with me. I feel kind of stale. How about this word? Hungry for more. You with me? Hungry for more. You're not the only one. Tom Brady is hungry for more. Look at what he said. Tom Brady, the quarterback of the New England Patriots, is not only one of the NFL's best players, he's one of the NFL's best stories. At the tender age of 28, he's already won three Super Bowls, an accomplishment that ranks him with some of the best quarterbacks ever to play the game. I mean, I'm making more money now than I ever thought I could ever make playing football. <laughs> but with all that money, fame, and career accomplishments, we were surprised to hear this from him. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and, and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I thank God. It's got to be more than this. What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Before I quote for you what he just said, I want you to notice that he was on the golf course. He didn't have his shirt tucked in. <laughs> no, no, not where I play golf. No, no, that'd be somebody out there saying, get your shirt tucked in. <laughs> Even Tom Brady would get told right over here to Palmasia Golf and Country Club, tuck the shirt in, son. <laughs> now, I don't know whether they'd do that or not. The GOAT, the greatest of all time. Obviously, this is early in his career because he kept winning about 22 more Super Bowls, right? But did you catch what he said? It's got to be more than this. And then the interviewer said, what is it? I wish I knew. I, I don't know Tom Brady, 
But I know the answer to the question. I know what the answer to the question is. The greatest of all time, or one, one like me who was never spoken to by any coach and begged to play football at junior high school level, and all of us in between, no matter what we are and who we are and what skills we have and what gifts we have, it begins with Jesus. And for many of us, if, we're, if we don't, if what is more, maybe we're somewhere along the stages of our growth in our spiritual life, and we need to take the next best step. So that, that's what I want to offer, just four steps today. I want to I just sort of use the, a metaphor to help us understand what might be a way of thinking about growing spiritually. So we're going to start out talking about the human growth, and my apologies to all developmental psychologists. I'm going to break all human growth down into four stages. You ready? <laughs> babies, children, young adults, and adults. So let's start with babies. So it's going to say spiritual babies on the screen. So forget the spiritual part for a minute. Just think about babies. Babies get born, right? They're babies. What can they do? They can cry, they can poop, they can smile, they can do all kinds of great stuff. They're fantastic. And what do we do? We go, ooh, cooey, and we hold them, and we smile at them, and we take care of them. They're 100% dependent on us. We feed them, but not tender loin of beef. We feed them milk. They're not ready for tender loin. Tender loin of beef is awesome. But you can't give it to a baby because a baby can't digest it. So, And then they, they get the little, I got a 20-month-old, 22-month-old um, grandson was with him. Kathy and I are taking care of two of our four grandchildren this weekend. And as an aside, mothers, oh gosh, do I get it. <laughs> Fathers, I don't know if you're in the game or not. I think you are. You're, you do good. But man, taking care of little kids, it is work. So back to multiply. <laughs> multiply. Don't, don't forget that God puts you in your home to raise your children to be people who love God. And if you're wondering what does God want me to do, if you're wondering how to put a little juice into your spiritual life, it's your kids. If you're, if you're raising children, if they're still in your home, pour yourself into, intentionalize. That's what I'm saying. You don't have to do more. You're already doing more than you can do. Your intention about how you do it changes. But anyway, babies, we're celebrating babies. What babies really can't do very much. I mean, and they're, they're obviously developmentally centered about self and you, you begin to coat. You don't want them to stay babies, right? You want them to grow up. A parents want the job of a parent is to grow a child, a baby up to be an adult, right? You're not celebrating. We celebrate babies. Yay. But what we really celebrate is when the baby grows up and becomes an adult and becomes a parent, his or her, him or herself, right? So not everybody is a parent, but most, many people want to be parents and many people are. So that's the deal. So we have little babies. We celebrate them. Yeah. Baby cries. We love it. They become children. Okay. Children are curious. Their brains can suck everything. So they, they can do all this great stuff and you, you're starting to help them be able to do things for themselves. Like they can feed themselves and they get to be two or three or four and they get to be five or six and they can read and you're helping them read and you're doing little games with them with their numbers and whatever, whatever you do. And you're helping them learn stuff about stuff like cars and boats and animals and whatever, and other people. So they can learn and do all kinds of good stuff. They're, they're children. And a seven-year-old child, if I'm, if I'm sitting at PDQ with them and I want to reach across and take one of their curly fries, they'll go, no, it's mine. Not every seven-year-old. But I mean, that's not, in other words, you're, you're sort of already, you're still sort of mostly about me. But they start to get a little older and they begin to say, wait a minute, there are other people in this room. 
Claire Stockstad. She's in the ninth grade now. She started teaching us about caring for the poor in book bags two years ago. There are other people in the room. And so what happens is a young adult begins to say, yeah, I'm growing. And, and you begin to see human beings that go, wait a minute, I, I can do something about the world out there, right? And I go and I start engaging and I use who I am to try to make a difference to serve people who are in need, whatever, just out in the world, being a good friend, calling people on the phone, bu buying people gifts, whatever. So that, that's what happens. You move from childhood to young adulthood. It just, again, apologies to the developmentalists in the room. So baby child, young adult. So the young adult is sort of engaging now in an out there kind of world, inter, interdependently relating to other people. And then I've called the fourth phrase spiritual parents and just plain parents. And you know what the difference is between a young adult and a parent? All the parents are nodding going, yeah, I know. You reproduced. It's that simple. Right? So that's what happens with human beings. We just we get born, we're brand new, we're babies, and we grow, and all the parents are trying to help them grow. And you as a parent want your children to grow up, really, if they want to be, to be parents. You want them to have the maturity to be able to grow. And this is what you really want. You want them to be parents that know how to raise a kid who can be a parent. And then you have geometric progression in the multiplying. Right? And then the human race goes like this. Kaboom. What are there, seven and a half billion of us on the planet? So we figured it out. Not, now, we all know that not every parent should be one. And that's sort of funny, but really not. But you want, to, you want your, your job as a parent, if you were a parent, here's what I'm 100% certain of. Every single one of us has a parent. There's nobody in the room that doesn't have a parent or parents. They may not be alive still, but every single body has a parent. Many of us, even most of us, are parents, but we had them. And the goal of just human life is to get them to be mature. So let's go back and look, start again with babies and be spiritual about it. Let's, let's think more spiritually. And your, your challenge for me this morning, your challenge, I think, from Jesus this morning, is to do an inventory. Are you hungry? Do you want more? Or you're wondering why spiritually you just don't feel some momentum. It's not about feelings. I don't mean it that way. But enthusiasm, you've got some juice going. It's way more than emotion, but emotion, emotion is certainly a pleasing part of it. Let's go back and let's think, am I a baby? Am I a spiritual baby? There's no, there's no judgment here. It's just description. And if you are a spiritual baby, then the, the idea is to move to the next step. Right? It's not about a judgment. You can't not be a baby spiritually. You have, to not, you have to be born. You have to get yourself born in order to be a spiritual baby. If you haven't decided to follow Jesus yet, then the first step is to say, I want to follow you, Jesus. And then, bam, a new, a new baby. And it's so cool when someone starts a relationship with Jesus. They're infectious. They run around and tell everybody. They, they just want everybody to know about it. And they're babies, and they don't have a clue. But here's what you, you can't, you, they love Jesus. There's no judgment about love. There's no analysis about that. I mean, love is love. I don't judge anybody's love. But a, 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 a spiritual baby may not know a whole ton. So that's, that's what you do. If you're, if you're a baby, then you, you need a lot of help. You need people pouring into your life to help you learn about Scripture, to help you learn how to pray, to help you learn how to connect with other people. And that's moving us to the next step. If you think you're a spiritual baby, your next step is number two, which is to be a child, which is to begin to learn new habits, 
which is like Sunday mornings or going to groups or serving other people. You're learning new habits. You're learning to read scripture. You're learning to pray. And you got other people you're talking with about that. And so that's, that's a step or set of steps you can start to take. And again, Brady said, there's got to be more than this. And the interviewer said, what is it? And what I'm saying is what it is is next, connecting with people. As a young, as a child, you begin to look around the room and you move from seven, eight, nine, ten year old, where still a little bit sort of about me, and you begin to say, Well, I'm learning to be with other people and I've jumped in a group, but now I'm noticing that the world is a bigger place. What Kathy said when she was talking about giving, she put her hands out like this and she said that the biblical way of posturing ourselves towards the world is to have open hands where we give. So I it's I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. I want you to become a giver. And what I mean by that is if you, if you don't feel like you're giving where you live, where you work, where you play, where you study, it's already there. The relationships are already there. And it's relational giving. I'm not talking about money. Kathy talked about money. I'm just talking about engaging relationally in somebody's life. And so that's what a child begins to learn to do as they age up into young adulthood. And here are young adults. What that means is I don't, I'm not talking about people in their 20s. I'm talking about anybody on a spiritual path who's beginning to say, wait a minute, I'm, I'm a following Jesus and I can sense him transforming me and I want to go on his mission with him. And I'm using my gifts, my talents, my aptitudes, my abilities, and I'm experimenting with where I seem to fit into the world. I got a phone call this week from someone who said, Fitz, I listened to what you said about the inventory of gifts and talents and how to use it, and there's a couple of three things that I might want to contribute here any minute in the church family. And we had this great conversation, and so we're going to experiment with some stuff, really vital stuff. So it was awesome. Then the, the, fourth, the fourth category, so we have babies, we have spiritual children, we have spiritual young adults, and the step from young adulthood to being a spiritual parent is really simple have a baby. That really scares a lot of you. You know, it's not scary. Your friends who are not connected to Jesus, this is what they want. They want somebody who is to talk with honesty about their experience. They do not want to be preached at. They definitely do not want to be criticized and judged. They want you to listen to them, listen to them, listen to them, but they are desperate, Brady, desperate to hear people who are Jesus followers talk about it in real ways that are part of their life. And you and I are learning to do this at First Pres through the bridges of honest, genuine friendships. There's no screaming at people we don't know. There's no launching on somebody who you think they're wrong about things in life. It's not that at all. It's walking with people in life, already the people you already know, people who are far from God but close to you. So we're learning as spiritual babies to grow to be children and begin to connect with others and begin to look around in the world and then we slowly merge over and we're young adults where we're pushing our chips into the middle of the table and we're saying, I want to use everything I have to love and serve God. And then we're saying, after that, I'm looking around and there's somebody in my life who I love, I care about, I'm close to, whatever it is, but I think they're far from Jesus. Invite them to participate with you in the angel tree. And maybe that'll help build the bridge of friendship where you can talk about matters that are more, more uh, personal, more spiritual maybe. Inventory. That's the challenge as I finish. Where are you? If you want more, if you're hungry, take a next step and let those four stages be a way of guiding you. 
It's about abiding with Jesus. It's about then beginning to connect with other people. It's then also at the same time learning to give and care for people out in the world and using my gifts and talents in in the family of faith, in my home, in my job. And finally, it's on purpose saying, wait a minute, I'm a Jesus follower. That person isn't. I'm going to love them really well and maybe pray that somehow one of these days there'll be an opportunity for them to experience the invitation that Jesus has issued to us. Come, follow me. And then surrender to me and I will transform you into a fisherman. Three, and choose to go on a mission who catches people. That's how we define ourselves as spiritual parents. Jesus followers who are being transformed and who are inviting others into that vital relationship with him. Inventory yourself. That's the challenge right now. I'm going to pray as the band comes up and we're going to sing one more song as we go out the door. Gracious God, we thank you that you love us. You showed us how to do it because you love really well. I thank you for my family, my grandchildren, and my children that I've been a ch- I've had a ch- the chance to be a, fam- a person with family and also for spiritual children and grandchildren in my life and in our lives here in this room and for the chance to be a part of this. Help us each to take an inventory. If we're hungry, if we want more spiritually in our life, help us to see that there's a next good step moving us towards parenthood. And gracious God, you want us to share your goodness with the whole world. You want every family on the earth to be blessed by the knowledge and love of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up for this last one.